0: Okay, so things are happening in the world right now that it would be wrong for us to completely ignore in favor of the usual lighter news that we cover, but it would also be wrong to present ourselves as any kind of experts on the very sensitive subject of Israel and Palestine. It is not something that we have the time, energy, expertise, or even desire to wade into too deeply. This is supposed to be a fun show. And pretty much any stance that we take on this topic is going to make at least a few of our viewers very, very mad. Yeah. But we are nevertheless going to wade into this topic, specifically because the discussion around it online and even in the news media has been, uh, at best, horribly one-sided, and at worst, just straight-up bloodthirsty disinformation in service of justifying further loss of life at a massive scale. So the
1: basic facts, if you've managed to completely avoid what's going on, is that the Palestinian group Hamas launched an attack on Saturday, originating in Gaza and extending several miles into the surrounding areas of Israel. Hundreds of Israeli civilians and active duty military personnel have been killed in the attacks and Israel has responded by bombing in and around Gaza, killing hundreds of Palestinians. Beyond those basic facts though, things get very muddy, both in terms of misinformation and unsupported rumors being intentionally or unintentionally spread. And in terms of just how Western governments and Western news media have framed not just these incidents, but the entire conflict going back decades there there's decades of context and and facts that go into
0: all of this and if you consume even just even mostly reliable media you're still getting not exactly the clearest picture i'd say Mm -hmm. unless you really really dig into this you're probably seeing it from a skewed perspective and Or you're seeing it from no perspective at all, and this is the first you're hearing about it, and it's a lot to take in. Yes. uh, For very justified
1: reasons. Emotions are extremely high. There is a lot of screaming and fighting on social media. Um, You don't have to get involved in it. You can sit back and listen. Um, That's what I've been doing over the past couple of days. It's been an extremely rough weekend. I've seen things online that I have experienced throughout decades of existing online, and some of it's the worst shit that I've ever seen, and it's taken its toll on me. Uh, as I'm ass- assuming, it's taken its toll on you, and this is all bad. Um, yeah, there's
0: no nothing wrong with waiting at least a little bit for at least the dust to kind of settle here. It's just a lot happening. Yeah. But before we get into it, though, we want to be absolutely clear about a few things. Um, first of all, criticism of Israel is not criticism of Jewish people as a whole. It is not anti-semitism, and in fact, some of the strongest voices condemning the Israeli government are Jewish and or Israeli. And secondly, and conversely, criticism of Hamas is not criticism of the Palestinian people as a whole. Equating Jews with Israel and Palestinians with Hamas is at the heart of the most deranged takes coming out of these events, and both are bad but the views equating Palestinians and Hamas are definitely getting more mainstream airtime, and it's also pretty much the official Israeli military policy. And and it's easy to see why your friends, family, and other people are posting
1: extremely emotional things, because the brutality of what has been seen over the weekend is undeniable. And there is brutality, uh, uh, a a lot happening.
0: Uh, Entire apartment buildings. They are, Israel is bombing the shit out of Gaza. Entire families are being wiped out, innocent people who had nothing to do with these attacks. Uh, A common mainstream viewpoint that we're seeing a lot of that's fucking sickening is that Hamas's attacks on Israeli civilians are completely unacceptable. Okay, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we must all support Israel as it kills Palestinian civilians.
1: Yeah, another popular viewpoint seems to be that this is an ancient conflict with tremendous nuance and complexity. And that's also a bit bullshit, but the truth is that the grievances at the heart of this conflict started in 1947, but even more specifically they stem from 2007 when the Gaza blockade began, effectively isolating Gaza and severely limiting its access to basic goods and utilities. It's also not a holy war. Hamas is not ISIS, despite the official Israel Twitter account repeatedly claiming that it is. This conflict is way less about religion than it is about the material reality of Palestinians living under a system that has widely been compared to apartheid in South Africa, with Gaza described as the world's largest open-air prison. Another thing worth pointing out is that Gaza and the West Bank, the two parts of Israel that Palestinians are confined to, are geographically isolated from each other, and at this point are two totally different situations. Hamas is mostly in charge of Gaza, while the Palestinian Authority, a.k.a. Fatah, is mostly in charge in the West Bank. At this point, this conflict is confined to the area around Gaza, though it could definitely extend to the West Bank as things continue.
0: Yeah, and the situation in the West Bank definitely influences Gaza and vice versa, but they're two very different things. They're both areas that were captured in the many wars that Israel has fought uh, to defend itself over the decades. Um, Gaza, they is basically a giant refugee camp. Uh, the West Bank was supposed to just be, well, they're like, we'll figure this out at some point. Uh, but Israel, please don't go in there. Uh, you know, just. Don't send settlers in there to move in. Mm -hmm. I'm the UN. Please don't do that. And they fucking did and That often in a lot of cases involves just uh, going up to someone's house and saying this is my house now. Yeah, and This is why it was also frustrating over the weekend
1: seeing responses from Western media and Western politicians telling the people who
0: don't support Hamas to you better leave uh, Gaza they can't They can't go anywhere so and, and people are like, oh, well, they can go to Egypt or they can go like a, a thing that like really uh, needs to be said is the Palestinians don't have any friends, even in the surrounding countries. A, a big reason for the uh, Arab-Israeli war in the 1940s was that all of the countries surrounding Israel were like, fuck, we're going to have to take in a million refugees. Mm-hmm. Let's do a war to avoid that. They don't want these people. Um, And Egypt has been very cooperative with Israel in keeping them confined there. So they can't leave. There's no escape. They don't have bomb shelters either. Wolf Blitzer was talking to someone in the hospital there. Uh, Shouldn't you go to the bomb shelter? Yeah, I hear a lot of bombs. Shouldn't you go to the bomb shelter? She's like, we don't have a bomb shelter. Yeah. Anyways, another common talking point is that since the people of Gaza elected Hamas to represent them, well, they're not so innocent. They're simply reaping what they sowed when Israel counterattacks them. And here's the the liberal leftist uh, Wall Street Journal from way back in 2009. Surveying the wreckage of a neighbor's bungalow hit by a Palestinian rocket, retired Israeli official Avner Cohen traces the missile's trajectory back to an enormous, stupid mistake made 30 years ago. Hamas, to my great regret, is Israel's creation, says Mr. Cohen, a Tunisian-born Jew who worked in Gaza for more than two decades. Responsible for religious affairs in the region until 1994, Mr. Cohen watched the Islamist movement take shape, muscle aside secular Palestinian rivals, and then morph into what is today Hamas, a militant group that is sworn to Israel's destruction. Instead of trying to curb Gaza's Islamists from the outset, Israel for years tolerated and in some cases encouraged them as a counterweight to the secular nationalists of the Palestine Liberation Organization and its dominant faction, Yasser Arafat's Fatah. Israel cooperated with a crippled, half-blind cleric named Sheikh Ahmed Yassin, even as he was laying the foundations for what would become Hamas. Sheikh Yassin continues to inspire militants today. During the recent war in Gaza, Hamas fighters confronted Israeli troops with Yassins, primitive rocket-propelled grenades named in honor of the cleric. So,
1: yeah, that's the Wall Street Journal, not exactly a leftist, anti-Zionist source. And here's the Times of Israel, one of Israel's biggest online news outlets, with an op-ed published this week that explains further. For years, the various governments led by Benjamin Netanyahu took an approach that divided power between the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, bringing Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas to his knees while making moves that propped up the Hamas terror group. The idea was to prevent Abbas or anyone else in the Palestinian Authority's West Bank government from advancing toward the establishment of a Palestinian state. Thus, amid this bid to impair Abbas, Hamas was upgraded from a mere terror group to an organization with which Israel held indirect negotiations via Egypt, and one that was allowed to receive infusions of cash from abroad. Most of the time, Israeli policy was to treat the Palestinian Authority as a burden and Hamas as an asset. Far-right M.K. Bizalel Smotrich, now the finance minister in the hardline government and leader of the religious Zionism party, said so himself in 2015. According to various reports, Netanyahu made a similar point at the Likud faction meeting in early 2018, when he was quoted as saying that those who oppose a Palestinian state should support the transfer of funds to Gaza, because maintaining the separation between the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank and Hamas in Gaza would prevent the establishment of a Palestinian state. While Netanyahu does not make these kind of statements publicly or officially, his words are in line with the policy that he implemented.
0: He admitted. So yeah, within Israel this week, there's actually been quite a lot of blame for the current situation laid at the feet of Benjamin Netanyahu, Israel's prime minister, who was already facing years of criticism for alleged corruption and for steering Israel's government in an increasingly hardline authoritarian direction. And yeah, also within Israel, you do have people that uh, are openly opposed to uh, the status quo. Yeah. But what's happening in Israel is it's horrific. It's indefensible. Can't say that enough. It is Yeah, we have to keep bad.
1: reiterating that what happened this weekend is is not excusable. This was no. brutality. It was in the reports uh and a lot of which some are confirmed, some are unconfirmed. It is a very thick fog of war happening right now, yeah. especially which we'll get into, uh how easily misinformation and and disinformation ha- is being spread online at a rate that I don't know if we've seen, or that I can remember in any recent history. No,
0: it's a clusterfuck, it's bad.
1: Yeah, um,
0: so. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously indefensible, but it, it is also the natural outcome of Israeli policy. The Gaza blockade has been in effect for 17 years, and the median age in Gaza is around 18. So in other words, the median Gaza resident has never known any life other than under blockade, trapped in one of the most densely populated places on Earth, living in poverty, with little reliable access to food, clean water, or medicine, only getting around four hours of electricity per day. If that was your entire life experience, and you'd seen friends and family wiped out by indiscriminate bombings over the years, you'd probably be really fucking mad. And you'd be very susceptible to extremist movements that claim that they can do something about it. If someone's entire life experience is being treated as if their life has little value, that will probably affect that person's ability to see the value of the lives of the people on the other side of the wall where the rockets are being launched from. And that obviously goes both ways, but it's impossible to look at the casualty numbers on either side of this conflict and claim that both sides have suffered equally.
1: Uh, we should also probably address a talking point that's always popular among Americans whenever large scale unrest breaks out, I support Palestine, but they should fight for their freedom the right way through nonviolence like Martin Luther King. And yeah, compared to the indefensible slaughter of civilians, of course that would be better. Gazans literally already tried that. In 2018 and 2019, they peacefully marched into the no man's land around Gaza to protest for an end to the Gaza blockade. And Israeli snipers killed hundreds of them and injured thousands more. There was international outcry, at least for a little bit, but it didn't do shit to change fucking anything. None of us want to really think about what we would do if we were oppressed and peaceful protest was a dead end, but it's never pretty. Ireland, South Africa, Algeria, Haiti, Nat Turner's slave revolt, John Brown's raid on Harper's Ferry. These are all conflicts where the side that was absolutely morally in the right did fucking terrible, indefensible things against their oppressors. But that doesn't invalidate the cause that they were fighting for because war is always hell. This is the... I know a lot of you out there didn't live through the post 9-11 world. Well, we're seeing uh, a part
0: two electric boogaloo. And some of you were
1: maybe too young to be fully cognizant of what that experience was like. But it was grouping people, grouping people up and being extremely racist towards people that had... Nothing to do with the attacks that happened on 9-11. Uh,
0: yeah, no, the first, like, hate crime after 9-11 wasn't even a fucking Muslim Arab. It was a Sikh. Um, yeah, shit got really fucking... I mean, not that it's really gotten good for Mm -hmm. Arabs in this country, but it was bad. Yeah. Very bad for a long time after 9-11 because, uh... It just got fucking bloodthirsty. Yeah. It was, I mean, I a common thing you would hear like from just in real life is we should nuke the entire Middle East. Just flatten that entire part of the world. And you're already seeing- It was popular. ...calls for that online uh, across various accounts, talking heads, and otherwise. And again, in a a similar redux of things, completely failing to take into account that Al-Qaeda and the Taliban uh, came into existence in part, thanks to U.S. Uh, foreign policy.
1: Yeah, um, this is all, it, it's all extremely bad. Again, I, I hate to keep reiterating this, but if you've been online in the past couple of days, you understand uh, the discourse here. But what happened this weekend was extremely gruesome, bad, and
0: inexcusable. Uh, but anyway, now's the part where we pivot into talking about how this situation is the first real test of Twitter under Elon Musk's Uh, role as CEO in, you know, quickly spreading information about ongoing, rapidly changing events and how it is failing spectacularly. I mean, it's failing about as badly as we would have guessed, but holy shit. Yeah. I mean, if you'll recall, one of the first times that Twitter really demonstrated its value as a real-time information source for global events was during the Arab Spring protests in the early 2010s. A decade and some change later, and Twitter is mostly serving to rapidly amplify misinformation and speculation that is immediately seized upon as f- hard fact by the most divisive and dishonest people on the platform, who are, of course, being algorithmically boosted. And then that's being served to people who are attempting
1: to share things in what I would assume is good faith, yeah, but are being just trying legitimately to figure out what the fuck is going duped. on. There's ARMA 3 footage that keeps popping up and keeps getting tagged as if it's real. Yeah. That's just one example. I mean, Twitter... uh... There's footage from five, ten years ago that's being used as if it was footage that was taken today or yesterday. It it, it is a cesspool of disinformation right now.
0: Under its old leadership, I mean, it would have still been a shit show regardless, uh, just inherently. But they, they did have a pretty robust team of people that would get into action the, when events like this were going on, they've spent uh, to curate almost, actual like verifiable content and they don't have fucking shit almost
1: anymore. an entire year dismantling any and all guardrails that would have prevent attempted to prevent any yeah. uh, how bad it actually has been for the past couple of days
0: So yeah it's been a shit show and according to people who research this stuff for a living, it has been worse than ever before mm-hmm. here's Wired. While all major world events
1: are now accompanied almost instantly by a deluge of of disinformation aimed at controlling the narrative, the scale and speed at which disinformation was being seeded about the Israel-Hamas conflict is unprecedented, particularly on X. For many reasons, this is the hardest time I've ever had covering a crisis on here. Justin Peden, a OSINT researcher from Alabama known online as the Intel Crab, posted on X. Credible links are now photos. On the ground news outlets struggle to reach audiences without an expensive blue checkmark. Xenophobic goons are boosted by the platform CEO. End times, folks. When Peden covered the escalation in Gaza in 2021, the sources he was seeing in his feed were from people on the ground or credible news agencies. This weekend, he says, verified content or primary sources were virtually impossible to find on X. It's getting incredibly hard to find people that actually live in Palestine or in southern Israel, Peden tells Wired. It's been incredibly hard to find their preliminary information and share their videos and photos you have this perfect storm where on the ground, preliminary sources are not being amplified, especially those that maybe don't speak English,
0: which is a large majority of the users in that area. It continues. Boosted by the algorithm that promotes users willing to pay X $8 a month for a premium subscription, posts from those with a blue checkmark shot to the top of news feeds for people seeking information about the conflict. Rather than being shown verified and fact-checked information, ex-users were presented with video game footage passed off as footage of a Hamas attack, and images of fireworks celebrations in Algeria presented as Israeli strikes on Hamas. There were faked pictures of soccer superstar Ronaldo holding the Palestinian flag, while a three-year-old video from the Syrian Civil War repurposed to look like it was taken this weekend. As a result, Peden says that he and his fellow OSINT researchers have to spend their time debunking years-old content rather than verifying and sharing real footage from the conflict. Many of these videos and images racked up hundreds of thousands of views and engagements, while some later featured a note from X's decimated community fact-checking system. Many more remained untouched. And as Elon Musk has repeatedly done in recent incidents, the platform's CEO made the situation Much worse.
1: For following the war in real time. At war monitors and at scent defender are good, Musk wrote in a post to his 150 million followers on Sunday morning. Both the accounts Musk referenced are well-known spreaders of disinformation. For example, both accounts spread the lie that there had been an explosion near the White House in May, a story that made the US stock market briefly plummet before it was debunked. That was a fucking uh, AI-generated image. Yeah. Many users also pointed out that the War Monitors account had a history of posting anti-Semitic comments on X. Last year, the account replied to a post from Yi, formerly Kanye West, thanking the rapper and adding, the overwhelming majority of people in the media and banks are Zionists, while telling another X user in June to go worship
0: a Jew, little bro. Yikes. Handpicked by the, the man in charge. Which, I, do, I also love that I I did this and then the article did this uh, uh, incorrectly referred to Elon Musk as the CEO, which he sorry, technically not. He is uh, not. But Linda Yaccarino is the CEO yeah. and she
1: is uh, already <laughs> canceling every appearance that she had scheduled.
0: Yeah. Anyway, you can always count on Elon Musk to be, take a shitty situation and personally make it even worse. But the examples of disinformation about the war just keep coming. Uh, here's Bloomberg with some more specific examples. As news of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict began to emerge Saturday, a far-right political commentator published a post on X that claimed to show video evidence of Palestinian militants going door-to-door and killing Israeli citizens. Imagine if this was happening in your neighborhood, to your family, said the commentator Ian Miles Chong, who has frequently interacted with Musk on X. Over three days, the short video gained nearly 50 million likes, shares, and comments. It was viewed 12.7 million times on X. Later, a community note was attached to the post, noting that the video showed Israeli law enforcement, not members of the Palestinian military group Hamas. But it wasn't clear how far the misleading post spread before the correction, and the post remains live on the platform. And there's, there's been a few examples of this. Jamie Lee Curtis
1: uh, posted yeah. a, a photo and had to delete it because she was yeah. It, it... Been
0: multiple examples of showing showing images from Palestine and being like, look what's happening in Israel. Yeah, it's just. There was one who was like, look at these children in cages. Like these children were literally in an Israeli prison.
1: It's wild. That that is also the problem with a lot of this stuff being heightened as if it is true by blue check marks and their algorithm, because you have, I assume that Jamie Lee Curtis's heart is in the right place, but she's also not an expert on Middle Eastern conflict and wants to support uh, Israel and is doing so by sharing images she thought were real, in fact,
0: she was I, being misled. I just wish there was a little more re- self-reflection. Yes. And it turns out that the, the horrible things that you're pointing out are actually happening um, to the other side of the conflict. And, uh, you know, you would hope that that would make you approach the topic with a little more nuance, but I don't
1: know. Anyways, here's a few more. A few hours later, a paid ex-account with an anonymous handle weighed in with a false post. And there it is, the account said. The U.S. is sending $8 billion worth of military aid to Israel. The post included a screenshot of what appeared to be a statement from the White House authorizing the aid to Israel, but no such statement has ever appeared on the U.S. government's website. The dateline and details in the screenshot were manipulated, copying a White House statement in July that announced financial aid for Ukraine, according to an independent misinformation researcher who posted a fact check online. A community note was also added to the post on X, but the false claim was repeated in at least 1,400 other posts on the platform. Not all of them with a label appended, according to research compiled by NewsGuard, a group that documents viral online posts as part of its work to assess the quality of websites and news outlets.
0: And yeah, there was also uh, oh, uh, this is being funded by Iran. It's like, there's no evidence for that at all. And also, they're being funded by the money that Joe Biden gave to Iran, and it's like, no, actually that money's been sitting frozen in a South Korean bank. Mm -hmm. this whole time. They haven't touched it. Anyway, here's more from the article. Around the same time, an account purporting to represent the Taliban posted on X claiming without evidence that the group was asking the governments of Iran, Iraq, and Jordan for passage to join up with Hamas. The unsubstantiated claim collected 2.5 million views on X and spread widely on Meta Platform Inc's Facebook through an article published by The Gateway Pundit, a far-right website that often spreads conspiracy theories, which picked up the unproven claim. On Facebook, The Gateway Pundit's article was shared 1,600 times, reaching as many as 440,000 people on the social network, according to CrowdTangle, a meta-owned social media analysis tool. But Michael Kugelman, director of the South Asia Institute at the Wilson Center, a nonpartisan think tank, said there was no reason to believe the claim from the account. Is true, yeah. Th- but we, this is people eat this shit up like catnip. Again, the Middle East is not a fucking monolith. Uh, the relationships between the countries themselves, and then the groups within those countries. Americans love to see the Middle East as terrorist it, land. It's literally and, the
1: image of the American mind cannot comprehend this image, and it's just an image of the Middle
0: East. Yeah, the the international relations between the countries in the Middle East are very complex, and uh, that is also true for the insurgent groups, and terror groups in the Middle East. They kind of all fucking hate each other. Uh, ISIS and uh, Hamas famously, uh, nothing nice to say about each other. And the situation has been so bad that the European Union has issued
1: a warning to Elon Musk, reminding him that under EU law, he has a responsibility to actively clean up the disinformation on his platform, and that he faces some pretty stiff fines if he doesn't. We should also be clear, though, that while Twitter has played a major role in spreading disinformation about this conflict, the news media is not doing a great job either. Specific claims about especially egregious atrocities are being reported as fact, and if you manage to actually trace the sourcing, it often just stems from single offhand remarks from people on the ground in Israel who say they heard about it from someone else. It's very hard to
0: get a factual picture of what is going on. And it's usually, it's horrific. Stuff I can't, I literally cannot say on here, uh, but like claims that are just like, wow, that is, that is a absolute evil. And I'm not saying that all of these claims are false, but it's just all it takes is one person saying like, oh, I heard that this is happening. And it just goes around the world and it gets sourced so many times that... There is no original source. Yeah. Yeah. Again, just gut-wrenching, horrific
1: stuff, no excuse. Uh, People are widely reported as being dead or turning up alive. There is still a tremendous fog of war over everything that's happened. And we're seeing some of our news media's worst impulses at play when it comes to reporting verifiable facts. In general, you really got to approach the news coming out of Israel and Gaza right now with a healthy degree of skepticism because you're going to have to It's obviously too much
0: much to ask for the general population, but like I know a lot of people who should know better are falling into the trap. Emotions, I've never seen it
1: as bad as it is, and justifiably so. People's emotions are ratcheted up by what they're seeing. It is understandable that people are jumping the gun on every uh, response, statement, and everything, and that's generally a bad idea, but I understand why they're so worked up about it yeah um i i'm waiting for elon musk to at some point uh forget what happened not forget what happened this weekend but look at the numbers from october and be like numbers wow. are up on x engagement engagement at an all-time high yeah must just be that college football everyone's talking about thank you Deion sanders
0: also another thing with the media that's always worth mentioning is like almost no one has uh dedicated boots on the ground reporters no. in gaza for understandable reasons, it was a fucking dangerous job, but like, uh, I think it was like Reuters had reporters there. Their building got fucking blown up two years ago when that was going on, so I don't know if they still do, but it's like Reuters, AP, and Al Jazeera, I think, are like the only international outlets that have any sort of, like, on-the-ground coverage. So when you don't have that, that makes it so much harder to report on what's actually happening. You basically have to take anything the Israeli government tells you as fact. And they have a History of not always telling the truth. One of the more infuriating
1: things, based entirely on, on the Twitter side of things, or the X side of things, is that under Elon Musk's guidance, people have been incentivized to spread whatever gets views, yeah. no matter if it's true or not. If it gets views and replies, that is making them money. So it is in their best financial interest, people like Ian Miles Chong, whether that is true or not, to be putting all of that out there because
0: it is visceral,
1: insane content.
0: It's a clickbait MLM. Yeah, You too could earn thousands of dollars a month spreading disinformation. It's uh, infuriating. Anyways, obviously this video, there's zero chance uh, it's being monetized. You, just, you can't talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, advertisers don't like it. We uh, we actually understand. Yeah, this episode was supposed to be sponsored by uh, some of our sponsors. We decided they probably wouldn't like uh, their ads appearing <laughs> also, on this show.
1: It's very awkward for us to try to do that. It would be. Yeah. The, uh, hey guys, speaking of uh, yeah, so those, we do so, want to thank uh, the channel members. Uh, because uh, thank you for offsetting what we're doing here. Um, yeah. But let's close this episode out on, on some more light, yeah, light stuff so that you're you're not, you know carrying additional baggage around. Everyone is, uh, yeah, it's not a great time. Some of the
0: some of the news, the the typical stuff that will just annoy you and not make you weep for uh, the fate of humanity.
1: Yes. Uh, so look, let's talk about Elon Musk. Again, that old punching bag. He is the main character, after all. Uh, Sadly, he does pop up in every news story in the world, even the conflict overseas, so... One of his character traits that we've seen demonstrated time and time again is that Elon Musk seems to absolutely love getting sued.
0: Ooh, sued again.
1: So here's another lawsuit for the ever-growing pile, and this one comes from Musk's mortal enemies down at the SEC. Here's The Verge. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, is suing Elon Musk over his refusal to testify in an investigation into Musk's purchase of Twitter stock in 2022. According to the SEC's complaint, Musk was scheduled to appear for testimony on September 15th after receiving a subpoena. However, two days before his scheduled testimony, Musk abruptly notified the SEC staff that he would not appear and apparently raised several spurious objections, including an objection to San Francisco as an appropriate testimony location, the SEC said. The lawsuit was first
0: reported by Bloomberg. It continues, The SEC says it offered to conduct the testimony in Fort Worth, Texas, which is closer to where Musk lives, as well as on multiple dates in October and November. Despite that, These good faith efforts were met with Musk's blanket refusal to appear for testimony. The SEC is asking the court to compel Musk to testify. The subpoena relates to an ongoing non-public investigation from the SEC about whether Musk violated securities laws with his 2022 purchases of Twitter stock and 2022 statements and filings regarding the company. In April of last year, the SEC wrote a letter to Musk questioning his disclosures about the purchases. Ahead of his acquisition of Twitter last year, Musk purchased a substantial stake in Twitter requiring him to file a disclosure with the SEC. The SEC previously said that Musk does not appear to have disclosed the purchases within the appropriate timeframe. And yeah, that's an aspect of this whole annoying saga that we kind of
1: forgot about. But basically the whole basis for Elon buying Twitter, the spark that lit the fuse, was a violation of SEC rules. If our government wasn't so slow and toothless about this kind of stuff, this whole situation might have been avoidable. Alas, at worst, he'll probably just pay a fine. And speaking of violating the law, Twitter apparently has a new ad format that does not disclose that it is in fact an ad, which is a pretty clear-cut violation
0: of FTC policy. Let's get all the government bodies uh, just suing me. I haven't seen it it. yet,
1: but I am waiting to see that famous uh, clickbait ad
0: that's on the bottom of every website. Uh,
1: uh, Whoopi Goldberg's disgusting
0: house. Uh, my favorite one is like, uh, I think it's like someone putting like an onion or like a garlic, uh, clove like in their ears. Like you won't believe or it's something like that. Yeah. And then there's another one where they, it's been having for like 10 years, but it's a picture of Richard Dreyfus, the actor. Mm-hmm. And it's like, here's something every senior should know. And I'm like, how has Richard Dreyfuss not gotten this shit taken down? Cause they absolutely did not pay for that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, anyways, here's Matt Bender in Mashable. Multiple X users have reached out to Mashable over the past few days to report seeing a new type of ad in their For You feed that they had not previously come across on the platform. These new X ads don't allow users to like or retweet the ad posts. In fact, the new ad format also doesn't disclose who is behind the ad or that it is even an advertisement at all. Mashable has confirmed this ad format with numerous users from across X and have seen a variety of different ads running this bizarre new format that just consists of written copy text a photo, and a fake avatar that's sole purpose is to make the ad look like an organically posted tweet. The type of content being promoted in the ads that Mashable has viewed appear to be consistent with ads found in spammy, low-quality chumbox advertising, typically defined as those clickbait ads found at the bottom of posts on content farm sites, made popular by native ad networks like Taboola. So these ads just look like normal posts, except when you click anywhere within the ad,
1: it takes you to a third-party site. As for why this is happening, here's the article again. In order to help with declining ad revenue, X has turned to partnering with third parties within the ad tech industry to sell available advertising inventory. Just last month, Google announced it would be partnering with X to sell programmatic advertising. Earlier this year, X also partnered with Inmobi, a mobile-focused programmatic ad sales company. So what does that mean? Users are likely seeing these ads because X no longer has any direct advent inventory to serve them. This could mean that these particular users seeing these ads are not being targeted by any brands that are running ads at the moment. Oh or brands that are advertising on X and targeting these users have exhausted their ad spend for the moment. It's also possible that these users have blocked brand accounts that would have targeted them with ads otherwise. Ooh, Which yeah. Am, uh, always on top of clicking yeah. the block button on the ads. Uh, I, I, the, someone pointed, at I think it was like Friday of last week, where they, like, analyzed Linda's statements that all these big companies were coming back. We'll
0: get to a great example of that. Perfect. But basically, uh, Twitter has so few advertisers left that it is partnering with Chumbox ad agencies in order to have any actual ads served to users. We're all out of ads. Release the Chum. Mm -hmm. Sounds pretty bleak. Sounds like things are not going great. And further demonstrating how bleak things have gotten. Here's Media Matters with something incredible. Uh, Wait for the punchline on this, it is so good. CEO Linda Yaccarino and others at X, formerly Twitter, have repeatedly tried to boast that advertisers are returning to the platform. But a new Media Matters analysis tells a different story. Since Elon Musk took over the company, it has earned 42% less ad revenue and had 28% fewer individual monthly advertisers than before his leadership began. Additionally, in the 12 weeks of Yakarino's tenure as CEO, the majority of the company's top 100 advertisers pre-Musk spent a fraction of what they did in the 12 weeks prior to Musk's acquisition. For example, Visa, which Yakarino cited as an example of a returning advertiser, has spent just $10 Sheet. in the past 12 weeks, compared to roughly $77,500 in the 12 weeks before Musk bought Twitter. $10. You know what that reeks of? <laughs> that
1: reeks of them being like, come back, we're gonna give you free ads to prove that you're going to see benefits from this, but we can't just do it entirely for free. That would be illegal. Uh-huh. You have to at least pay something. So how about $10? token,
0: yeah. And that that, is an not the theory. only
1: uh, company, there were multiple other companies that were pointed out uh, that, they're like $40. $80 and it's like these people used to spend tens of yeah. thousands
0: of dollars like I literally I've never I've never uh, run an ad on Twitter But I I have long ago like just looked at like what the mechanism for it is and I don't think you can spend less than like fifty yeah, dollars. It might be, the, it gotta, be like one
1: of the bare minimums. Yeah, that I, like
0: look like I feel like this is below the threshold for like manually uh, Making one of your tweets an ad I might be wrong though, but yeah, it's beneficial
1: for for both companies, like for for let's let's use Visa as the example. It's it's beneficial for both companies because Visa gets a ton of free advertising because they're not paying for it. They're just like, please come back. Yeah. We'll give you some ads for free. Meanwhile, as proven by Linda, she gets the uh invaluable
0: uh We brought back Visa. Yes. That's <laughs> what back. she gets to say. Come on, don't you want to join up? We got Visa. Visa's at the party. Yeah.
1: It, it's like uh, you can't even put a price on that because she gets to use that yeah. for other advertisers. Technically, I'm not lying. Yeah. Uh, yes.
0: Yes. This is done. why she's the CEO. This is why they brought her in.
1: And this is it. it I'm sure Business there is. Brain. There's definitely some truth to it, but it she did like wipe all public appearances off of her yeah. calendar. Well, the last and then couple of like, fucking was, disaster. Yes, but then was and like. And now there's a war. Yeah. Due to the ongoing <laughs> conflict, I have uh, cleared my schedule, and it's like okay, that's a great excuse. I mean, it's probably for the best. Yeah, well, because of what's just happened over on Twitter just the past weekend, uh, she probably isn't prepared to answer questions like that because for whatever reason, despite what Elon posts or says, she's always like, does anybody here like potato chips? (laughs) This is what Twitter is, right? Paris Hilton's coming to Twitter. Get excited. We got our finger on the pulse. What do you mean we can't get Taylor Swift? (laughs) I got just the ticket. Paris Hilton. Yeah. That's hot. Wild. Anyways, uh we again this is supposed to be a fun show. Uh the world isn't always fun. It's not. Sometimes the world is really, really fucked up. Yeah, and I I, I feel it's it's terrible for ever, for ever it's just bad. It's there's no putting any kind of sugarcoat on this or anything. It's it's a horrific situation that is con- gonna be continuing to play out. Um, So we'll be back with more episodes, uh, hopefully a bit more lighthearted. Uh, not, not even gonna ask you to like this video. There's no, it don't, it, it's not a video that I even wanna brainlessly hit a like button on. I mean, but it will
0: be absolutely buried by the algorithm. So I don't know. I leave do that, whatever you leave want. that decision up. To uh,
1: if you wanna watch more lighthearted affair uh, from the before times, over here on the side we got Ron DeSantis's uh, very weird feat, or he's lying. Uh, and we also have Mike Lindell uh, flat broke. Can't even pay the lawyers. Yeah. It's a race between Elon Musk and Mike Lindell to see who can lose more money more quickly. I think Elon Musk is winning.
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah.
1: All right. We'll, uh, we'll see you soon. I know it's a heavy one, but we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.